0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of KMM's Mobility Matters podcast. I am your host, Arlene Holt, and I am joined by my fellow host, Chris Gonda. Hey, Chris. Hey, everyone. As you may know, May is National Bike Month and New Jersey Walk and Bike to School Month. And so today we are here with Deborah Kagan, Executive Director of New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition. Welcome, Deborah. Thank
1: you. Good morning, everybody.
0: So to start off the podcast, we'd like um, if you could just talk to us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with the New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition, as well as how the creation of the coalition began.
1: Sure. So thank you so much for for having me on today for National Bike Month. This is this is a great way to celebrate end off the month. I got involved with this from my local town. I live in Montclair, New Jersey. And I got involved in wanting to make our streets friendlier and safer for biking. I I bike around our town. I joined the local advocacy organization Bike Walk Montclair and started getting very involved in doing rides around town and building uh, support for policies in our town to make it safer for both biking and walking. I joined the board and became president of the organization for a few years. And while I was doing that, I learned about the New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition, which is the state-level advocacy organization, mm-hmm. and worked with them for a while. And then an opportunity came up in 2020, actually, in the middle of COVID. For the, there was an opening for the executive director, and they asked me to step in. It's a strange time to start a new job. <laughs> to say but i did and uh it's been exciting and quite a ride since then the coalition actually started um this is a nice moment to bring up the safe passing law because the coalition actually started from a group of people that were interested in getting a safe passing law done in new jersey that's kind of how it started around 2008 9 And so we've been working on that since then. And so this is exciting because the New Jersey Safe Passing Law was finally passed and made into law, became law in 2022.
0: You've been advocating for safe passing law for over a decade.
1: (laughs) Sometimes these things take a while. As an advocacy organization, you have to learn to pace yourself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so that's interesting with the... New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition, it was actually part of my introduction to the the bigger bicycle advocacy um, movement and programs and initiatives that were happening throughout the state. My involvement with them started in 2014 when I was actually between jobs, considering taking a job as an assistant coordinator for the Safe Routes to School program at Easy Ride. So that's almost 10 years ago. So I'm trying to remember all the details, but I remember I was still deciding on whether I, I wanted to get into this transportation world and that same month the bike and walk coalition was having their summit mm. and I remember getting there and it was snowing <laughs> and I'd <laughs> helped some folks find their way around to New Brunswick to the venue at, at the blasting school um but once I was there you know I really felt like home and I, I got to meet all of these people who you know turned out to be mentors and people who were really Uh, leading the movement towards having safer streets in New Jersey. So it was highly impactful for me. So I'm really happy that you could join us today and uh, tell us more about the current work of New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition. So along those lines, with the safe passing law, it was a huge victory for all of us who who are walking, who are biking, um, who are getting around uh, their towns outside of their vehicles. And it's been almost an uphill battle, I feel like, when it comes to getting that message out there and getting everyone on the same page. Uh, what what are those uh what are we doing now to really promote that and get it in the heads of drivers and cyclists to understand you know how we can all not just quote unquote share the road we all say as we all say uh, but to really work with each other to get to where we need to go safely
1: we have been doing so since the law was passed uh we have been doing an awareness campaign and that involved putting together a coalition first of all, of a whole number of organizations and state agencies that work on safety. And we worked together to reach out to our networks. And the New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition put together resources so that everybody could promote this on their own and really create uh, a campaign around this. We have a Safe Passing Law Resource Center which is on our website, which is njbwc.org. And so there's a whole tab where there's a resource center for all kinds of graphics, social media posts, there's a social media toolkit, uh, lots of details about the law, what it actually says. So we're trying to, to promote one way among activists and people who are cyclists and who are pedestrian and safety organizations We also did a digital media ad campaign, which literally reached millions of people using different graphics on various social media. That campaign has been in full force uh, for the past year, and it included media and press and some radio interviews trying to get the word out as much as possible. We have, for instance, created a magnet for the safe passing law, which people can order through us. Um, and we are working with local police departments to get them to put up variable message signs in their towns, to put on the magnets on state vehicles. So it, it's beginning, I think, to really get more attention in some of the local municipalities, having drivers understand what the law really requires. It takes a little while before people hear about it, know about it. Um, So the law specifically says uh, when you approach somebody who's on the road, who's on a bike or who's walking or maybe on a scooter or in a wheelchair, that you have to uh, slow up. If you can move over a lane, you're supposed to do that. If you can't move over a lane, you have to leave at least four feet between yourself and the person on the road. And if you can't leave four feet, then you have to slow down to at least 25 miles per hour. So to sum that all up, it's basically you you should be using real caution when you pass somebody of what we call a vulnerable road user, somebody who's not in a car on the road and getting that message out. um, Takes a while. We have a very, car-centric culture in this country. We have roads that are designed more for cars and not uh, with safety as the priority. So it takes a while for that message to get out there and begin to, you know, really have an effect on the road. And we are working with the Highway Traffic uh, Safety Division of New Jersey in support. uh, And we have worked also with the Department of Transportation.
2: Yeah, uh, but I re- it was a huge victory. And we've heard, I think we've actually interviewed a few of the guests on the podcast who've given us the same story about how that has passed and what that victory looked like from, from their perspectives. So I remember, you know, not too long ago, we were in Metuchen all celebrating with the remembrance for Oscar Zanonia, a Metuchen resident who was, you know, sadly killed in a in a vehicle crash. Uh, While he was biking in Metuchen, but in any case, we're thankful for all of our partners for for getting behind that, and uh, yourself and Jim Hunt for for really advocating for the passing of that bill. As a cyclist, as someone who who rides their bike to work or to do errands or or even just around the neighborhood with the kids, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen a difference on the road in regard to people who have heard this or drivers who have who are more aware of what they need to do to pass me safely. And where I ride, sometimes the streets can be a little tight and a little bit confusing with all the turns that are coming off Route 27. Um, But yeah, I feel like there is a difference from before the law and after. Maybe that's just me being highly optimistic as a cyclist, but I think I give some of our our motorists and drivers credit for for knowing that the law exists. And I thank everyone who's uh, listening who does know that it does know how to slow down, move over, and pass with care. You said you were doing a lot of work with the local governments in regard to the municipalities and, and some of the messaging that's happening there. And we've seen that the Bike and Walk Coalition, with many other significant partners, have done things like secure safe spaces for people to ride their bikes. Uh, for example, secured spaces like the Essex-Hudson Greenway, uh, which is reclaiming formerly railroad spaces converting them to multi-use paths for walking, biking, running, using your scooters uh, just for transportation and recreation. And I think it's a wonderful thing to see. And we have a similar type of um, facility here in Middlesex County with the Middlesex Greenway. But can you tell us more about how you got behind the Essex Hudson Greenway and how that all came together?
1: Since about 2014, uh, the New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition made trying to develop that uh, railroad, which was unused, into a greenway. And there was actually advocacy that went on before that even, uh, the towns along this. So this is a a corridor that runs between Montclair and Jersey City. It's almost nine miles long. And it runs through two of the most densely populated counties actually in the country. When the railroad stopped using it in early 2000s, a lot of the towns along the the corridor started thinking uh, and and envisioning that it could be a greenway. And so they started advocating for that. But at the time, the railroad was not that interested in selling. So it took a while before we got to have real dialogue with the railroad to consider selling the right-of-way. And we started a campaign to get a government agency to buy the land so that it could be created into a greenway. And since 2014, that's been a major campaign uh, of our organization. In 2020, we started working with the Open Space Institute. They're a land trust. And they helped to negotiate. Actually, I'm sorry, in 2017. By 2020, uh, they had negotiated a purchase and sale agreement with the railroad. And then we started a campaign to get the, the state to buy it. And that was a major campaign. We did outreach. So our organization headed up the community engagement. We reached out. We got over 8,000 people signed letters of support to the government. That's amazing. We had 137 organizations that uh, signed up as supporting organizations. And uh, I personally gave over 50 presentations. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long campaign on what... What were the advantages? What were the benefits? What what could this look like? Trying to give a vision of what a greenway uh, could be and how it could transform our region, uh, not only for open space for recreation, but a transportation corridor that would connect eight communities. So there's eight towns mm-hmm. that uh, are along those nine miles, and very exciting moment we had uh, a year and a half ago, which was the uh, in the fall uh, of 21, the state agreed to buy the entire quarter intact. And we Uh, had a deadline because uh, the purchase and sale agreement was going to be over and that would have allowed uh, private development. So in order to save this space as a public space, we had to get it uh, bought by a certain date and Uh, Governor Murphy and this administration came through and bought the entire corridor intact. And and then they spent a year um, completing the transaction. And now we're moving into a stage where they're going to start planning and design uh, to create a greenway along that corridor.
0: Yeah, that's so exciting. I mean, it was like a $65 million purchase by the state. So that includes portions of Newark and Bloomfield and and um, Jersey City, where many vulnerable users live. And so this would only enhance those communities and just make it a more vibrant place to live. I know for myself, I've been waiting and listening and following this, and I live in Middlesex County, so this was like extremely exciting for me to hear that the potential for a new greenway in northern New Jersey would actually be realized within our lifetime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's a, it is a very very exciting development, um, and as we were advocating for this, we reached out to many different organizations, and people began to see the connections between so many issues and and problems that we have in North Jersey that this could help right. uh, to to alleviate, including. Uh, reducing greenhouse gases by having this active transportation corridor. Strategies for flooding mitigation. So a greenway wow. allows you to have this <clears throat> This particular greenway, we have the rights to the subterranean underneath mm-hmm. the tracks. And so you can build infrastructure to store water of flooding overflow. You also have land to do bioswales and rain gardens and other things that help prevent flooding. It's clearly been the case in other places in the country that when these trails are are developed, they help uh, spur economic development in local business districts. Uh, So the towns are very excited about that. And having this open space, um, as you said, particularly in in heavy urban areas like Newark and Jersey City, uh, downtown Bloomfield, allows a lot of communities that don't necessarily have access to parks and don't necessarily have cars, right? The opportunity to have a more equitable mobility option in their town and a place to get out and be with the community for all kinds of expressions of, of art and history and identity of their communities. And, of course, the example everybody uh, goes to because it's the the most recent One, of course, is the High Line uh, in New York. So just the potential for what this corridor could bring to the region is tremendous. And I think we're just beginning to really understand how transformative uh, it will be.
2: That's impressive. I I always learn something from our guests here on the podcast, but I didn't realize that there is so much of an environmental benefit. When it comes to the the groundwater and mitigating flooding for having this greenway, uh, but that's amazing. So I know with our Middlesex Greenway, you know, it, it's uh, it starts in Metuchen and uh, is now heading towards Edison in the unpaved portion. And then to the north, there's the section still owned by the railway in in Perth Amboy. So I'm hoping that maybe in the next twenty years or so, we can uh, work on something there. Again, me being hoping highly less, optimistic. <laughs>
1: I'm hoping less than 20 years, Chris.
2: Yeah, I, but it does look like some of these projects take a long time and a lot of hard work from ourselves and yourself and the the many partners and, and activists we have in the state. But the coalition has done so much in, in that I've seen in the last almost 10 years that I've been working in the, the transportation world. So I'm highly impressed. Uh, so you had mentioned that part of your step into... Bicycle and pedestrian advocacy was with Bike and Walk Montclair, and we know in the state we have a lot of uh, strong local advocacy groups. How did they start, and it seems like they have a pretty big impact on the surrounding region as well.
1: There are there are a number of local advocacy groups. Um, some come out of people who are mainly cyclists and have been in in black. Bike clubs. Some have come out of uh, pedestrian and safety advisory groups or people interested. Some have been associated with the Safe Routes to School movement, which I know um, KM has has of course been involved in. And in each case, there are advocates that see that vision that the quality of life in their towns could really be enhanced by having safer and accessible ways for people to to walk and bike in their community. And they begin with, with, there are all different kinds of things locally that we support. Right now, for instance, we have just uh, launched something called the streets, uh, Streets Are For Everyone Network, or the Safe Network. This is a new initiative that we're putting together this year. And we are doing webinars and forums for local advocates, so this is really particularly focused on bringing resources, building community, and highlighting the best sort of case scenarios of what kind of advocacy people are doing locally, as well as trying to get information to people for um, funding. Now, everybody's aware there's a uh, the new bipartisan infrastructure law has yes. brought us historic amounts of new funding. Um, And many of those grants uh, are directly related to creating infrastructure and programs that keep our streets safer. We're having webinars. We had one, particularly the last one we had was on the safe systems approach, which is an approach to safety that's much more holistic than we have in the past. And it's targeted towards achieving vision zero or zero deaths and fatalities on our roadways. There's a lot of funding that's attached to that. And our most recent webinar was on bike buses. Yes. So yeah, my, Montclair and Jersey City and there are a number of other towns in the state that have begun to develop bike buses, which is uh, another way that local advocacy groups and parents and people, you know, just talent want to see their kids start biking together safely to school, they put together uh, a bike bus so you can join in a group of people who are biking together with adults leading that um, to make a safe a safe way for kids to again start uh, bicycling to school, which has really dropped off in the past years. We're also going to create a resource center for this launched initiative, that will have information about Vision Zero, about the safe systems approach, different ways that people can get involved. What One of the things that the coalition does is also we promote uh, and work on getting state-level policy for safer streets. We're working on a Vision Zero commission bill at the state level with our state legislators. So there's a lot of information about how local advocates can be doing things in their own communities. And we're trying to really build up this community and provide resources so that we can all learn together uh, and really make some headway in making our streets safer.
0: I feel like we have, like most of the people who are bike advocates are coming from Montclair. What is it about Montclair? (laughs) Because I think You know, like everybody I talk to has some kind of connection to the Bike Walk Montclair. And so shout out to everybody who works so hard in that organization, because a lot of the initiatives that are coming through the state and the pipeline have really originated there.
1: Well, as a Montclair resident, (laughs) thank you. And that's very exciting to hear. Uh, I do want to do a shout out. There are many, many um, advocacy organizations across the state, so Montclair was one of the first there was um uh, Montclair was one of the first towns to pass a complete streets policy um which and that policy uh needs to be updated in our town. We just passed a uh, vision zero task force resolution. We are putting together a task force in the town. Uh, to both look at an action plan for the town to make our streets safer and also to upgrade our complete streets policy. Uh, There's a new complete and green streets policy that everybody uh, should be aware of. It's a great uh, effort by a lot of uh, advocates and, and professional transportation and safety professionals that worked all together to create this new model policy, which is available online. And it has terrific tools for everybody in their local towns to update and create a complete streets policy for their town. So yes, Montclair, (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's lots of other people that are doing this. So I don't want us to think or ignore the fact that this is really a statewide movement. It is. Um, Yeah. And it's becoming I think, more part of mainstream thinking than it was. I think we're beginning to see some turn in awareness and and the real desire to make sure that our streets are, that safety is a priority and not not just cars. So that's exciting to see. Things like the state buying the Essex Hudson Greenway, the new federal funding that's coming out. And also we're seeing an interest in creating a North Jersey trail network. So not just the Essex Hudson and Greenway, but looking exactly like connecting and promoting more trails like you're seeing in, in the Metuchen area. Um, there just was a new grant that union County got to do right. another one of these borders. Very exciting. We want to start looking at this as a regional effort um, to begin to develop individual projects and also the idea that we can be connecting them and creating a network of uh, safe off and on road active transportation.
0: I just wanted to throw in there that um, starting in the fall, KMM will be working with the uh, Middlesex County to reach out to municipalities throughout Middlesex County to see how we can start connecting a lot of these trails and uh, bikeways to create a network as you just mentioned. So it's, you know, something that we're working toward and we hope to be a part of. And uh, you mentioned also union County, the, what is it? The railway Valley railway. Yes. So another exciting project that, you know, can be realized soon. Hopefully there's a lot going on, but I'm sorry, Chris, for interrupting you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's fine, but it's amazing that we have, um, we're able to identify safer streets and paths for, People that bike or walk, but I think an interesting thing about this time is that we're seeing a lot happen with micro b- mobility devices like e scooters and e bikes, and having spaces for them to use those you know those devices and vehicles as well. Deb, can you tell me a little bit about the New Jersey Trails Action Network? Were you involved in that?
1: Yes, there was a uh, a summit that uh, DOT and DEP put together. Um, there was a, a group of people from an, a whole variety of um, trail advocacy organizations that uh, got together and were talking about the need to look at a state connectivity around trails and how to promote uh, those trails from you know the different uh, examples that we have. And the circuit trails, which are in, in Central Jersey area, are one of the strongest trail networks. Um, We're working now in North Jersey to to build out this idea. And there's also uh, a strong, growing trail network in South Jersey. So the idea was we should be looking at this as a, a statewide effort. We did get New Jersey DOT and DEP together to sponsor a summit. It was a great opportunity, much like our annual sponsors, uh, summits rather, for New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition. We've been doing annual summits And it's an amazing time for people uh, to get together, to learn from each other, uh, to really promote and move forward a lot of the ideas that individuals or individual towns and groups have been doing. Out of this summit, we created the New Jersey Trails Action Network, and that is people from across the state who are interested in moving forward a lot of the ideas uh, and connecting the organizations that are working on this to create, uh, with the goal of creating a a statewide network.
0: Um, Before we start to wrap it up, Deborah, would you mind telling us a little bit about the programmings that you're working on now and in the future? Yes, well, we've we've talked
1: about, um, we're very active around the Vision Zero. We are part of the Vision Zero uh, New Jersey Alliance. Uh, which is a very important uh, statewide organization, a coalition to promote vision zero, and we work with uh different towns uh looking at at funding, looking at resolutions uh for for safe streets. and as I mentioned before, uh we're also looking at the state level to work with our legislators to create a vision zero commission at the state level to really um, coordinate between agencies to promote. Vision Zero, which is that we have the goal of uh, no fatalities and no serious injuries and that that's a preventable and achievable goal. And that's really important for people to understand. A lot of people say, oh, this, it's yeah. just not possible. But it is possible. And we know the methods and we know how to redesign our streets to make them safer. Um, we need the political will and we we really need a a policy that prioritizes safety. So that's one of the, the big uh, campaigns that we are working on at many different levels, and on and sort of an, another type of program we do is when you're looking to develop an active transportation system in the state. One of the things we want to look at is is where do we park our bikes? How do we keep them uh, safe? And how do we encourage people to cycle more? And we have two things that we do to to really promote that part. Uh, one is that we sponsor we host and manage bike depots so we have three and we're about to launch a new one in summit and they're shelters uh that are safe and secure for people to lock their bikes and the one in summit for instance is right next to the train station there's one in montclair in the train station one in elizabeth and one in bluefield in the train station so that's a uh you know we talk sometimes about the last mile between mm-hmm. transit systems. And this is one way to, to support that, to support people uh, riding their bikes before they get on transit uh, so that there's a safe place for them to leave their bike. Another thing we do to promote cycling and educate is we have bike education workshops. We have an offer a uh, safe cycling workshops for towns for free. Um, we can do in-person and we also have uh, virtual workshops on how to bike safely, and to help people who might not feel that that the roads are safe, and that they want some more support and how to do that. So those are two two other programs uh, that we do, and we have uh, every Friday as part of our uh, Safe Network, every Friday at one. We have like a a workshop where you can talk with our program manager, share issues, questions about both about our cycling workshops and about uh, the different policies that we're promoting. So we're trying to give a variety of opportunities for people at different levels to learn, to educate themselves, to be involved in training, to be involved in advocacy, and to be part of this community, really. Going forward, one thing I do want to to bring up that everybody can get involved in is coming up in 2024. We are going to um, resume our annual bike and walk summit. It's going to be
2: in person, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, we're going to go back to in person. We did do a virtual one in 21, and we took a bit of a break, let ourselves do some of the other. Uh, things I've mentioned today. <laughs> and we're going to resume an in, in-person probably in uh, in early spring of 2024, uh, again, bringing together uh, all kinds of people who are actively involved, whether they're in a state agency, whether they're just an individual in a town, whether they're in a Complete Streets advocacy group or a bike club uh, or a TMA that would come and listen to a lot of great uh, presentations be able to to share their experience and sort of bring that community together so look forward to that again probably in early spring in 2024 yes I'm definitely
0: looking forward to that
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll be there and it doesn't sound like it's going to snow this time so
1: (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately that may not be a good thing Chris
2: But thank you so much, Deb, for joining us today. And we mentioned a lot of resources that are highly accessible through the New Jersey Bike and Walk Coalition's website, and we'll include all of those links in the description below. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. And any last words or shout outs, Deb?
1: Thank you, you guys. I I, I do want to do a shout out to you. I think uh, a lot of people don't always know uh, about their transportation management. Uh, local groups and came has done an amazing job locally so i think we should
0: end this with a shout out to you (laughs) thank you (laughs) thanks so much dad it's such a pleasure having you thank you so much thank you so much really enjoyed it funded by the north jersey transportation planning authority and the federal highway administration